You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Style points don't count. Welcome to another episode of Jamie D and Big Newt. I'm Jamie D'Amico. He's Big Chris Newton. What up, though? And we are thrilled to be coming at you after a Week 7 win against the New York Jets. The Buffalo Bills went in there. They played decently. They played well enough to win. Let's say that. (laughs) Yeah, pretty Uh, much. Before we get started, though... You know, we we like hearing from people. Would you would you concur with that statement? Oh man, I love having Twitter uh, conversations with our fans. Man, it's awesome. And we had a couple of good ones this week. Uh, a dude that goes by JNC Bills fans at Bills Couple New Jersey wrote us. He made a funny video. Loved that. Retweeted that. Uh, but also a uh, a gentleman named Julian Colon sent me really one of the nicest messages I've ever gotten, period. Uh, and, and he was very complimentary about the show. But here's the part that I really liked. Uh, he writes, P.S. If it wasn't for podcasting, you would make a great announcer for a strip club. No disrespect, bro. <laughs> and you know what the great part of that is? For a long time, I have joked that my dream is to be a strip club DJ. Dude, I could so see you doing that, man. You have this. I told you all the time, man. You got that soothing, you know, smooth voice, man. Oh, yeah. I I just, I've always had it in my mind that I want to say, turn your attention to the main stage and give it up for Lolita. And then, you know, start playing pour some sugar on me or something like that. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. And I read that to my wife and she goes, I told you, I told you, I told you. I was like, you ain't tell me shit. Get out to the porch with all that noise. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome, man. That is awesome. I, I, for those of you who don't know that reference, that's from the movie Friday. Get out to the porch line. <laughs> yeah, man. All, all my friends I talk to, they all ask me, "Do you really talk like that in real life?" And I'm like, dude, that's how he talks. So, and a number of people have asked me that, and I'm like, dude, that's how he talks. So it doesn't sound weird to me because I've known you so long. <laughs> People don't think that there's no possible way that he, this dude could talk like that. And I'm like, yes, he does. But I, I don't put on a Joe D, Joe radio voice, Mr. DJ. I just speak. 
I think it's because you sound so proper compared to me. <laughs> so oh, okay. Contrast, you know what I'm saying? But I think that's what makes our show. You know what I'm saying? So that game on Sunday, the Bills with six field goals in eight tries, they win 18 to 10. It wasn't beautiful, but it's a win. And a win is a win is a win. And the Bills are four and two. The Patriots have two wins on the season. The Dolphins have three, are one game behind the Bills. How are you feeling? I feel like we checked a box. I know it wasn't pretty, um, but you all you had to do is if the uh, the touchdown to the rookie, if it doesn't get called back for a BS um, uh, illegal formation. Mm-hmm. So if that doesn't get called back, and then when the tight end stepped out of bounds, if he could have walked into the end zone on that one long pass to uh, my boy Tyler Croft. So yeah, if he would have stayed in, in uh, inbounds, he could have walked into the end zone. So now instead of getting field goals, we get touchdowns there, and it would be a totally different story today. So right, and we'd be looking at uh, at thirty points on the board, and people saying, "Yep." The Bills got right back to it. Yeah. Yeah, man. So it, it's just one of those things where we don't feel good about it per se. Uh, but I just look at it like it one because we were texting each other during the game. If we would have lost that game, it would have been catastrophic. I mean, you yes. lose to that team. But we won and we moved past it. Um and then so now we got to move on to a struggling New England team, and we're almost four-point favorites against them. So my thing is get it done against the scrubs, and then hopefully you can beat a good team, and we'll be in good shape. But no, it wasn't pretty, but we got to win. There's definitely some things that they need to work out, but I want to start with one of the positives. The defensive line in the second half of the game finally came alive, and they looked tremendous, especially especially Jerry Hughes. You were saying to me off the air that this has been, this was his best game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He balled out, man. He looked like the you know old Jerry Hughes, but I mean, that's what happens. I mean, as you get older, you're still going to show signs of life. And this was definitely his game to do it. And, you know, he's been playing at a high level over the past couple seasons, hasn't necessarily been getting the same sack numbers that he used to. But at the same time, he hasn't had the quality of line around him. I mean, he's not playing with the cold front with Marcel Darius and Kyle Williams, Mario Williams lined up across from him. He doesn't have that much talent on the line with him. But still, two sacks, a forced fumble, an interception? I mean... He was out of his mind, and even when he wasn't getting to the quarterback, he was definitely putting heat on Darnold, who was actually hit 10 times in this game and sacked five times. The entire line was doing their jobs for the first time this year, I would say. Yeah, they show signs of life, like you said, especially in the second half. I was quite proud of the effort. Um Going into halftime, I believe the score was 10-6. to 6. So at that point, I really wasn't scared, and then we just laid it on him. And and uh, you saw the young guy in there. I think he got a half a sack on the one with him and Trent Murphy, mm-hmm. uh, Espinessa. So, I mean, it was good to see all the – and it wasn't just him. It was all the young uh, rookies, the tight end. And then the cornerback also, seventh-round draft pick, he got in there and got his first interception. So I feel like all the youngsters contributed. Zach Moss looked awesome. 
You remember when we were talking about in the preseason, what would it take for Zach Moff to uh, overtake the number one running back? I mean, he ran hard, man, so I, I don't know. I think he definitely earned more carries coming for the uh, Pats game this week. He ran hard, and he craves contact, doesn't he? There was one play in particular. He brought it out to the sideline. He could have gone out of bounds, but no, he turned and squared up his body with the defender and put his helmet right into the defender's chest. It was like, I'm going to make this guy remember me. He had he averaged 6.7 yards a carry, and Singletary only had 3.6. So, I mean, seven carries, 47 yards. He did his thing. I definitely would like to see him get more carries. Um, but I, I figured if we were trying to establish Josh Allen, he threw the ball 43 times. Um, and, and to just talk about his game, everybody asked me, well, do you think? how do you think Josh Allen played? I said, he, he played okay. And okay for Josh Allen is almost 400 yards of offense, 307 passing, 61 rushing. But he didn't get in the end zone, but he didn't uh, he didn't throw any interceptions, even though he had a, a fumble, fumble there in the first half. The Bills were doing something different. And obviously the book is out on Josh Allen, and it's reminiscent to – what teams were doing to Drew Bledsoe almost 20 years ago, which is take away the deep ball, make him throw it underneath and wait for him to become impatient and start forcing the ball. And we've seen that over the past few weeks. But I really like what Brian Dable was doing early in the game, because if you noticed, they were drawing up short passes. It wasn't Josh Allen checking down. He was throwing those four-yard outs, the screen passes, the swing passes, and by scripting those into the game, that's exactly how you get Josh Allen to move the ball against a team that's going to take away the deep pass, and I loved seeing that. Did you have any feelings about Josh Allen's overall performance? Well, like I said, I mean, I feel like he played okay. Obviously, the word they're playing us now is more zone looks versus the uh, first four games. We saw a lot of man coverage and man-on-man against our receivers. That's recipe for destruction. So he's getting a lot of zone looks. And like you said, they're playing over the top. They're making a read the defense. And I I love the way the O-line played. I Once again, pass blocking, I give him an A+. Uh, he only took two sacks, but he had lots of time to throw those passes. I so strongly disagree with your assessment of the offensive line. I thought the the guards were terrible. You feel like, I mean, pass blocking, you feel like he didn't have time to throw the ball? I felt like Butker and Winters kept getting pushed backward, and they, they didn't anchor well, and the pocket was collapsing from the middle. Uh, consistently. I And Quint, look, no farther than the game that Quinn and Williams had, who was lined up over Ike Butker. I, mm-hmm. I just, I thought Butker was terrible. Now, I haven't gone back and, and looked at film, but yeah, I, I very strongly disagree. I, I would give the line like a C plus in that game. Hmm. And since we disagree, that means you're stupid. No, uh-huh. well, that's I'm saying, two weeks in a row. We finally ain't playing kumbaya. I will. I haven't had time to today to me as of the recording to go back and watch the film and just focus on them. I'm just saying, I feel like when he dropped back to pass, I I didn't really feel like, and they blitzed a lot. And I feel like we we picked it up pretty well. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we could go back and look at it. Maybe that'll be our job tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I feel like he took two sacks. 
And uh, some of that is he rolls out of the pocket when he doesn't need to. I'm not saying mm-hmm. he does that all the time, but some of that is self-inflicted. But um, but I feel like, yeah, you asked me about Josh Allen. I feel like he played okay. And mm-hmm. when he had 400, almost 400 yards of offense, that's an okay game. And then I'll take that every time. I mean, once again, if we if those two plays that we talked about earlier go for touchdowns instead of field goals, now we're talking about a, a, a bigger spread in the points. We get two touchdowns, no interceptions. We would think he played an awesome game. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, if you tally up the whole season, once again, he had four good games, two average games. Okay, against Tennessee and the Jets, and then one bad game versus Kansas City. And so, oh, I'm sorry, um, okay game against Kansas City and then bad against Tennessee. So, four good, two average, and one bad. That's still a B-plus average to me. So, yeah, I mean, I'll still take it. He's still one of the league leaders in passing in most statistical categories. So, and, and I hate to admit it, man. I never thought I'd say this, but the season's halfway over. And if we didn't have Josh Allen, we probably wouldn't have won a game this year. You're right about that. And speaking of Josh Allen, the the last note I wanted to make on him did you notice how different the announcers were in talking about Josh Allen on this broadcast than they were a week before when Troy Aikman and Terry Bradshaw were destroying Allen's accuracy? Basically laughing at him. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then this week, Rich Gannon, I think you can get better at accuracy. And Josh Allen has come a long way. And uh, Phil Sims made a point at halftime to say, I want to go back to Josh Allen. He's been good. And I was like, wow, what's going on here? And then I realized what it is. CBS is the AFC network. Right. They're trying to hype up their product. True. That could be quite possible. Because the week before, what was that? Was that it was on Fox. It was Fox, right? Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. And it, it's now I'm not saying that they they don't feel that way. But but to make such a point of it as Gannon did, and then Phil Sims, like he just stopped everything so he could say that. So I feel like one of the executives had to be like, "Hey, you talk good about Josh Allen in this in this broadcast." Right. I mean, you know that that's the thing. I mean, they want to hype up the quarterbacks, and and I feel like right now he kind of deserves it, man. I mean, I don't know where we would be if we had like regular offensive play. I mean. And right now, our offense is down to 25 points a game, and uh, that's middle of the pack in our defense. I mean, so the sum is bit better. I mean, the sum is better than the product at this point. I mean, so we just got to keep plugging away. Our schedule is going to get harder. Um, but right now, I mean, I'm I'm in the middle of the road. I'm happy that we're uh, winning with 5-2, top of the AFC East. We got a big game this weekend. We, we got to beat New England, and then – I don't know what's going to happen in the next two weeks versus Arizona and Seattle. They're both a very good team. So the next stretch of games is going to be pretty brutal. Um, but you know, a place where the Bills have had a hard time and have gotten better was definitely the defense. And the second half was, you know, it, it they definitely showed up, and and it's nice to see that they have it in them, even though it is against the Jets, who have a, a pathetic offense and a terrible coach. You want to see them click in on all cylinders. And the Bills have been particularly bad on third downs. In fact, they've been allowing 
uh, a conversion on third downs 54% of the time, which is the third worst in the NFL. And listen to this. Against the Jets in week seven, they first their force three and out with a punt since the second half of the game against Miami in week two. They have gone through 317 minutes of game time without forcing a three and out with a punt. Hmm. Now, they got a heck of a lot better against the Jets. And here's the difference. Um, thank you, Joe Buscalia, for pointing this out in his article uh, in The Athletic. But the Jets gained ni- 190 yards in the game. Only 16 of those yards were gained with Matt Milano on the field. And he was on the field for third downs and at the end of each half. He played a total of 15 plays. They averaged 1.1 yards per play when Milano was out there. You think he makes a difference to this team? He plays when when he's playing. We are so much better, and uh, Edmonds he's better with him on the field also. Mm-hmm. So he's a big part of what we do. So yeah, I, I mean, I know he was on a pitch count. Hopefully, he can get more healthy this week because we're going to need him against uh, the Patriots more than we needed for the Jets. But it was just good to have him back out there, man. And I think that made a big difference in the second half. Yeah. And they're definitely going to need them against the Patriots because the Patriots scheme those crossing patterns so well and the backs out of the backfield. They just so good at getting the ball into the hands of people near the line of scrimmage and letting them do something with it. Now, Cam Newton was benched this past week in favor of Josh Stidham. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I was about to ask you, did you watch the game, man? I mean, the Patriots didn't look like the Patriots. I tell you, man, I don't I don't know if that's more San Fran is getting more healthy than they were at the beginning of the year. But I mean, they they laid it on the Patriots, man. The worst loss in uh Foxborough last twenty years. My God. Twenty years. Yeah. So you knew that it was gonna be a tougher season for New England. I, I'm not ready to count them out yet. Uh, but you knew that losing Brady and t- like eight other, 10 other free agents was going to make a difference. And this was gonna, going to be the season in which they were going to clear their salary cap for next year. So they're taking their lumps. But if Cam Newton is going to be throwing a bunch of interceptions, he's probably not going to be the long-term answer at quarterback. So where does that leave them going forward? I mean, there's only so much you can scheme. And yeah, Everybody talks about Belichick having had success with Matt Castle at quarterback for 12 games, but it was a different game 15 years ago than it is now. I totally agree, and I heard rumblings that they're they're going to start. I, I think if we beat them this week, then it could put the nail in the coffin for their season. I heard rumblings that they're shopping uh, Gilmore. And uh, they might, if we beat them this weekend, they might just be ready to pack it in. So I'll be interested in seeing how that works. I mean, everything has to come to an end at some point, and, and especially NFL football, because you could go from worst to first within one year. That's why you have so yeah. many different division winners. That's why it was so unique that the Patriots could dominate the AFCs for so long. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 
I'm not ready to say that this is the end of the Patriots um, because they've been so good for so long. I will not just assume that. I'm just looking at this Sunday. We got to beat them. Like, this is just another opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, and going back to the Jets game once again to kind of wrap that up, it was like it wasn't pretty, but it was one of them things where, man, if we lose this freaking game and I got to come on this show and talk about this, like, because you got, I mean, even with us looking that bad, you still got people that feel like the sky is falling. So as long as you win, you can kind of be like, okay, maybe we were saving the good stuff for the Patriots next week. You know what I'm saying? Maybe if uh, John Brown, if we were playing a tougher game, maybe he would have played. We really need him, man. He opens, and we talked about this two weeks ago, he opens up so many things for the offense. We're not the same offense without him. We need all three of our receivers. So, because he he uh he is able to take the lid off a of defense, and you got to respect them deep, and that work and that helps the underneath stuff more. You know what I'm saying? So, I feel like we could put the nail in the coffin with the Patriots. Let's just go ahead and knock them out, and then we could just kind of cruise through the second half of the season, beat the scrubs, and hopefully steal one of the good ones. Okay, look out for Miami. They're only one game behind the Bills. They're going to be in it, I think, unless Tua has a a difficult time adjusting, which he will most likely. I I think they're going to be they're going to be in the picture throughout the season. I'm I'm more scared of Fitz than I am at Tua at this point. Leslie Frazier, if you can't figure out a way to confuse him in January when we play them, Josh Allen, if you can't outplay, hopefully we locked up the division and we're playing the backups at that point. But hopefully. But if it's still tight, I, I can't imagine Tua just coming in and, and being able to get them over the hump over us. I, I just can't. I mean, I'm not going to say never because Joe Burrow's looking great in Cincinnati. He's just not winning. Yeah. And uh, the kid, uh, Herbert, out in uh, San Diego, mm-hmm. he's putting up big number two. They're just not winning. But I just can't see Tua coming in and having the experience to beat a team like us. Um, in his rookie season. I mean, I, I can imagine it. Speaking of Ryan Fitzpatrick, hashtag bring Fitz home. Bring Fitz back to Buffalo. He was obviously very hurt when he was demoted. And maybe in the offseason, he comes to Buffalo as a backup. He obviously thinks that he can still start in the NFL. And frankly, he looked like he should be starting in the NFL. He's 38 years old and he's playing really well. Anyway, I wanted to tap into some of your playing experience because the Bills obviously made adjustments uh, on offense and defense because they kind of looked like a different team in the second half of the game. So take me into the world of halftime adjustments. You know, why do the adjustments take place at halftime? What kinds of things happen? What are the conversations that go on in the locker room that lead to some of the adjustments? What can you tell me about that? Well, I mean, I think a lot of it in the first half, we didn't play clean. We need to clean things up. We had penalties uh, where we just, I mean, once again, that's another week of it felt like McDermott team wasn't mentally prepared to play. Mm -hmm. So you go in, you make adjustments, you see what they're doing. Um, it was a couple of times in the first half where the defense wasn't even set and ready. They still moving around and adjusting to their uh the Jets formations. So once you you know and you notice now, I mean they got iPads on the sidelines. 
Yeah. So back when I played back in the early 90s, I mean, we just had a chalkboard and, and the coach saw it and he'll draw it up on the chalkboard. Now you got iPads and you can see in real time what they're doing as far as stunts and things like that. So the technology now is awesome. So you go in, now you got 20 minutes to go ahead and try to make the adjustment and you're adjusting to their adjustments because every week that you prepare, you try to do something different with a formation. You might run the same plays, but you want to do something different formationally. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it might be something that you haven't seen on tape. All right. And so now once you see it, you use halftime to be like, okay, we didn't practice it, but this is what we want to do. All right. I know we did this during the week, but they did this. So we're going to do this. You know what I'm saying? And that's what that 20 minutes is used for. And then a lot of the times the players, especially the more experienced players, they give their input because they got a lot of experience. So they coach, hey, coach, we're seeing this out there. So let's counter that with this. You know what I'm saying? So you get a chance to kind of talk about it. You kind of, you know, because on the sideline, everything is kind of, you know, you get to talk, but you don't have the time, you know, because you're kind of watching the, what's going on on the field too. So you use the halftime to make those adjustments, and that's why you come out looking like a whole different team in the second half, much like the Bills did. So remember 20 years ago when the Bills, uh, when they signed Eddie Robinson to play linebacker, and they were all like, he's like a coach on the field, even though he couldn't play on the field anymore? Mm-hmm. Sounds like that guy's actually – valuable to have yeah yeah you always want to have somebody who's the extension of your coach on the field you know what i'm saying because you get guys lined up and you can see stuff and once again a lot of it is experience i mean once you've seen so much in the nfl then it's hard to fool people and if you watch film and stuff then you could take a i mean because the nfl man you take a wrong step then you might be out of position and boom next thing you know it's a 60-yard play you know right. So the more experience you have, the better, you know what I'm saying? Especially when you get old. I mean, when you're not as fast, you can still might make a play because you recognize and you see it versus a young person who might take wrong steps. And that's why they say never get into a fight with an old guy because he's not going <laughs> to fight fair and he knows damn well how to beat you. Exactly. exactly. And you know what we are? Old men. I know, right? Although I'm the biggest wuss I've ever met in my life. So I can't really claim old man strength or old man ability to win a fight because um, you'll never see me in a fight. I'll, I'll run. I'll hide behind you in a, in a heartbeat. But I'm a, but we talked about this off air, though. You say how much you're a wuss, but I feel like you be wanting static out in the streets more than me. Like, I've seen you, like, go up to people you don't even know and be like, hey, 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 and just, like, you know, I mean – I think that's like amazing because I don't I, like to me. I mean, where I come from, man. Like, if you talk to somebody you don't know, you gotta be prepared to like almost die. Like, that's why I would just never get them in an argument with some random person. Because if I get pushed to that point, then I feel like okay, this might be like life or death situation where you just be like, yeah, whatever, man, f you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the the difference in where we were raised. You in East St. Louis, me in a. Uh, middle-class Rochester, New York suburb, I was raised thinking, oh, well, the worst thing that's going to happen to me is, you know, somebody might punch me. Um, yeah, I'm, well, first off, I don't want to 
because we have listeners and they be like, uh, I looked up Big New. He's not from East St. Louis. I'm actually not from East St. Louis. I'm from North County, St. Louis. Um, but I did used to hang in East St. Louis. And I guess being an African-American male, things have always been like life or death, like situations. I mean, where I grew up, yeah, it was it was kind of rough. So, I mean, I remember in 1988, I grew up in Jennings, Missouri, and uh dude shot up the police station and it was like on the oh god world news like yeah and i grew up like my first apartment was right there in ferguson where um where all the riots and stuff was going on you know and uh yeah i mean so you just i mean you it ain't about you being a tough guy or being a pump but you gotta be like yeah or am i like it's like am i willing to die for this and that's what has to go through your mind because I've known people to get killed. Like my my brother was murdered in 1991, and so it's like life or death. So like if it's something like somebody mess with your mom or somebody mess with your girlfriend, and you like, no, I can't take that disrespect. Like you got to be thinking in your mind, I might not walk get home from this. I might not be able to walk away from this. So holy crap, that is not what I grew up in. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, man. I mean, so it's just different for everybody. I mean, we all had different experiences and stuff, so. Well, I guess that's why I'm okay mouthing off to people. I've never had any negative consequences. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, we just, we all grow up. One better or worse than the other is just, you know. But yeah, like how cavalier you are with people that, you know, that you don't know, like, that's like amazing to me. I'm like, whoa, you know, so. I would never take that as you being a wuss. I'm like, man, this dude, okay, he must, you know, he must got some hands or something. I got a gun or nope. something. I mean, I don't know. Nope. <laughs> nope. I uh, I believe in my ability to both talk my way out of a situation and my ability to run away from a situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Because I I have no pride, none whatsoever. If I have to run and hide behind you, I'm going to do it. No, no doubt about it. Now you may step to the side and be like, no, get him. He deserves it. Um, but, but no, no pride here. I, I'm out of there. If somebody wants to mess with me. Uh, the last conversa- uh, confrontation I got into was, I say it was about 10 years ago. It was when uh, Buffalo was playing the Washington football team at the time they were the Washington Redskins. And we beat them. Um, I think it was – you know what? I, I can tell you the exact game. It was the game right after Sean Taylor was murdered. I, I was at that game, and I remember that. And um, and it was in Washington, and we won. Um, and I remember the first play of the game, they had 10 players on the field to show respect for uh, Sean Taylor. And then Fred, I think that was Fred Jackson broke like a 40-yard run, and I felt so bad, you know. <laughs> And so we won that game and we were leaving, right? And so, you know, I had all my Buffalo gear, whatever. Sometimes I wear it to visit the stadium. Sometimes I don't. This time I wore it. And so I was, I don't know who I was with, but um, so this drunk girl comes up just talking trash, which is fine. You know, I'm like, you talking trash? I'm talking trash. Yeah, we won, whatever. And then she pushes me. And so I'm Interesting. Like, and so I'm like... Don't freaking touch me. So now at this point, I would never, I've never in my life put my hands on a woman. I never will put my hands on a woman. 
But at this point, I have to make you feel like I'm going to put my hands on you. So I that start, makes sense. you know, I try to raise up on her. Like I start yelling. So I drew a lot of attention to let her know that this big black guy ain't harassing this little white woman. You know what I'm saying? So I start mm-hmm. screaming at her like, don't you ever touch me. Whoop, whoop, whoop. So everybody sees she touched me first. So then her boyfriend comes up and this dude is no bigger than my son. And my son's 10 years old. <laughs> right? He's like five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing, right? So he was like, hey, don't be put. So he runs up to me. And at that point, I felt totally comfortable. Like he got to stick up for the honor of his woman, which I understand. Of course. But I saw the fear in his eye. I'm like, dude, you don't want none of this. So he kind of runs up. You know how you run up on somebody, but then you kind of like, oh, shit in your eyes. You know? <laughs> like, You're like, I don't, I do not want to be here, but I realize it's an expectation at this I, point. Exactly. You just saw it in his eyes. So he kind of runs up and he, it's kind of like something was kind of holding him back. And so I just, and so by that time we're steady walking and you know how, uh, uh, FedEx feel like everybody kind of walks in the same direction going towards the you know going mm-hmm. towards the parking lot and stuff so I mushed him so hard dude like I just pushed him in his chest and he falls back and he knocks down like two or three other people and all that and and so I was just like and that was the end of it and I'm like dude don't mess with me and like I'm getting loud letting everybody know that these people are harassing me and so everybody like, oh man, it's all right, man. It's cool. Just chill out and whatever. And so they kind of broke it up or whatever. But yeah, I was just like, dude, don't like, I don't have no, absolutely no tolerance of that. We could talk trash, but don't touch me, dude. Like that's the, you know, like, no, we're not going to do that. And cause you're drunk. I, I have no tolerance for it. I had a tough time imagining you playing football because it's a violent game and I couldn't imagine you hitting another person. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> oh, I loved contact, man. That's one thing I pass along to Jalen too, man. Coaching him in football, he loves contact, man, and I love that. What What was your best forty time? Because when I saw that uh, that video of you that you posted on on Twitter of you catching them short passes and then booking it down the field, you looked like the fastest person out there. You had a little bit of Christian Okoye in you and that uh, you were bigger than everyone else. And it also didn't really look like you could change directions, (laughs) but you were so fast. And and you know what? You need to be a scout, man, because I was not quick side to side, but I was fast straight on. My fastest time was a 4.68. And my senior year, I weighed about 280. All right. So, yeah, I mean, but side to side, you're right. I can't change direction that good. But straight ahead, once I get going, yeah, like, and you saw it on the screenplay. Like, I get going. I'm I'm like, I was trying to seek contact and run somebody over. Like, And and you did. You got you got to repost that. Re- repost that because people have got to see you motoring down the field. It, it is a sight to behold. And you you had that thing where you made the other players look like they were moving in slow motion. And for a dude your size to run a four six, oh my god, four six eight. I was consistent four seven, but my best time was about four six eight. That's that's so fast. That is so fast. Yeah, but I mean, NFL, I mean, it's fast for, I guess, a college player. Um, But yeah, NFL, man, like you see guys now linebackers running four fours. And speaking of speed, what about DK Metcalf on Sunday? Did you see that play? I retweeted it, man. And and that, go, go to my Twitter at big, at, 
Big underscore Newt, man. Check it out. DK Metcalf, the Arizona um Seattle game winning the overtime on Sunday night. And he makes the most unbelievable play I've ever seen. And so uh in case y'all didn't see it and stay up long enough to see it, um Seattle was on the one yard or two yard line going in for the score. And then uh just like they did in the Super Bowl, um they threw an interception. Okay. And uh uh Buddha Baker picked it off on like in the end zone and started booking it to the other end zone. Hundred yard uh pick six, right? And so you just see DK Metcalf like, oh shoot, and he just starts booking it for him. And he's about 10, 15 yards away from him. And he hawks him down and catches him like on the between the 15 to 20 yard line, I think. And it's just amazing that that guy could catch somebody so fast. He was he was pumping those arms and he was running so hard. You could tell that he just was determined to not allow that guy to score. And Baker was moving. It's not like he was dogging it. He didn't let up. And the, it was really funny because when he looked over his shoulder and Metcalf was right behind him, it's almost like it startled him. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost... Almost like he was like, all right, I'm about to score. And let me just make sure that, holy crap, this guy's right next to me. Right. It is like he almost, it is almost like Daniel Jones did. It's almost like Daniel Jones did. Did you see that run he had <laughs> for the Giants? And he's like in the open field. And he just stumbles, stumbles, stumbles and falls. Yeah. Oh, and my. not terribly different than what Tyler Croft did. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So, three. Russell Wilson throws a beautiful deep ball. I'd like to see Josh Allen get back to hitting some deep balls, but you know, take what the defense is giving you though. Don't force it. If if they're giving you the five yard passes, take the five yard passes. Eventually they're going to come up and start defending those to open up the back end. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I feel like he's going to be all right. I mean, and, once again, we I look at this weekend just as another opportunity, man. And he got a bunch of them coming up. I mean, he could write, uh, he could write his future with us, and uh, he got the opportunity to do it, man. So hopefully, he takes uh, takes advantage of it, you know. Because once again, don't forget the season's almost over, man. We got to know if this is the guy. First four weeks he looked like it. The last three weeks has been kind of iffy. So I would like to see him get back on a horse and prove to everybody and shut everybody up, man, because this is still a lot of doubters out there. There are, but this game showed us that the defense can show up. It showed us that Josh Allen, though he forced a lot of passes, he forced some throws that I wish he he hadn't. He showed that he can be more patient. And when things start clicking – I think that this team can pull pull together both a good offensive and defensive performance. And I think they're biding their time. I, I think that by the time the end of the season rolls around, they're going to be clicking on all cylinders and this team's going to be formidable because they are making the playoffs. And winning the AFC East? And win the AFC East, yes. Will you laugh at me if I get all the 2020 AFC East champion t-shirts and cups and um no because i had one of those big mugs in 1988 that had like the entire team roster on the back and said afc east champions and i uh well then again back when that happened i was only like uh 
12 years old. So maybe I would laugh at you. Or a child. <laughs> I'm a yeah. 47 year old man. My thing is this if you, okay, let's, let's ask that on Twitter. Like, if we we haven't won the AFC East since 1995, that is 25 years. If you haven't done something in a quarter of a century, does that warrant you celebrating it, even if it's only a division championship? You know that I don't wear team gear, any sport, right? Yes. Yeah. So... I think my issue with buying team gear that says something like AFC East champion, it'll inevitably have the year on it and it's going to be outdated because I'm now of the age where like I keep clothes for 10 or 15 years, maybe even 20 in some cases, <laughs> like 20 years from now, people, I'll, I'll be wearing that shirt and people will be looking at me like, really? You're proud of something that happened 20 years ago? <sighs> But I'd be thinking it's cool when people wear the zebra pants and uh, all that stuff, like from back in the day. Like you no, know, the retro we, gear, the retro gear, right? And so I think that's kind of cool. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if, if it's still in good shape now, if it's all tatted up and got holes in it, but if you had, if it's 20 years from now, you got a 2020 AFC champion. T-shirt and it still looks pretty good. You wear it. That looks vintage, man. I love that stuff. Yeah, and I do love seeing the people that are wearing the stuff from the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, when we go to the bar, because that to me that shows how long you've been a fan. Because I know it's going to be a lot of people now that going to be Bill fans because we made the playoffs two of the last couple of three years, you know. And now you're going to act like you've been here, been real. And I'm just like, "Mm, yeah, no, I need to see old photos of the lean years. And I got to see you with pictures at games when we suck. Like, you know, I don't, that's one of the things once you get good, I don't, you know, I got a problem with that, man. I got a problem with fair weatherness. So, once I see your old pictures, you in the old gear and, you know, that stuff, then that, you know, that gives you validity in my book. Ah, uh, the street cred. Gotta have it. Something I've been after my whole life. <laughs> Buffalo Bills <laughs> street cred. Yeah, I gotta know that you've been talking crap for years, you know what I'm saying? So, I need to see it. Talking crap and dealing with crap. Oh my gosh. A lot of crap. A lot of crap. Except for when we went to that game in Cleveland. They were not big crap talkers. No. They knew it. They just laid down and just took the loss. (laughs) (laughs) They just laid down and took it. It was like, oh my God, you guys are more beaten down than we are. Right. Oh, yeah. Anyway, learned a lot on that trip. We talked about that previously. Mm, Yes, we did. Anyway. So, this has been Jamie D., and Big Newt. And Big Newt, you have a song for us. Well, y'all, more love, less hate. Hey, hey. Catch you next week.